Well, Merry Christmas. Oh, it's that time. It's never too early to say Merry Christmas. Our lights on our house, thanks to my father-in-law when I was laying in bed with the flu, he came over and put them up. Praise God for that. And uh, they've been up for a while when the Christmas lights are up at Redeemer City Church. And uh, we're going to kick off a new series today called The Greatest Gift. We're going to spend the next five weeks talking about The Greatest Gift, which... uh, If you've ever been to Sunday school, you know what Sunday school is? Raise your hand if you know what Sunday school is. That's it. We don't do it anymore, but maybe we should. But uh, in Sunday school, we would give the answer, Jesus. That's right. You don't even have to to listen to what I said and you would know the answer. All right? The answer is always Jesus. And uh, the greatest gift, of course, is Jesus. So we're going to spend the next five weeks walking through why. And so today, as we jump into that, um, in God's providence, we are going to talk about the gift of life, the gift of life, and uh, I'll say a special welcome to my family, we've got a lot of my family in the room today, and I'm excited about that, and uh, not under the circumstances at which we find ourselves, if you uh, go to Redeemer City Church and you uh, didn't get the email, uh, we lost memo. This past week, and uh, you know Mama, she was the bright one with the cool glasses and a bunch of donuts. And uh, so she passed away on Wednesday morning, and uh, we had the funeral yesterday, and uh, we've got some more going on today with family, so there's a lot of them in the room. And I'm um, so grateful that you guys are here and that we uh, have the resources to share uh, this moment together in God's Word And uh, also for Ben's parents being here, we're really excited about that too, getting to watch their boy uh, lead in worship today. But if you have a Bible, go to John chapter 10, John chapter 10, and we're going to look at uh, what Jesus uh, said about life. What is life? If I have thought about anything this week, it would be the brevity of life. James said it this way, your life is but a vapor. It's here for a little while, and then it's gone. One of the things that none of us escape is the fact that life is short. Whether you get 90 years or 19 years in the scope of eternity, life is short. Life is really short. Or if you have 100 years, like Goggy here. The bottom line is that when you get to the end of that line, life is short. It just is. And when you, when you come to the conclusion or the realization that life is short, it begins to put some things in perspective, doesn't it? it begins to make certain things that we care so much about not matter. And it begins to make things that we ought to have cared about so much matter. And we can't help but begin those conversations when we lose people that we love. And isn't it fascinating that the Christmas story begins with God sending his son. And he didn't just send his son to earth uh, to be king, though he was. Philippians tells us that when God sent his son, Jesus willingly emptied himself of all the things that you and I, if we were God, would have chose to retain (laughs) power, 
royalty, resources, all of that. He, he forsook all of that to come and live a life for you. That's the Christmas story, the incarnation. John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Not the upper echelon, not the royalty. So that's what everybody wanted. They wanted him to just roll in and destroy Rome. But he didn't do that. He came humbly in a horse feeding trough. Hopefully with clean hay, but we don't have any guarantee. And then, of course, in the songs we sing at Christmas time, and don't worry, you're going to sing a Christmas carol before you leave here today. And uh, otherwise, I'd have a very grumpy wife. And uh, so don't, don't worry if you're concerned. But, then, but we, sing the, we sing these songs about swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes weren't awesome, by the way. <laughs> they were very humble. Claws that you would clean stuff with. And there he was. And the Bible says, the glory of the only begotten Son of God. But he came, listen carefully to me, he came to bring you life. Life. Listen to how Jesus chose to say it in John chapter 10. Look at verse 7. Here, here, here's Jesus speaking. And he says, so Jesus said again to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And then this amazing promise, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But listen to the words of Jesus here. I came, I came that they may have life. And not just have life, but have it abundantly. Have it abundantly. What did Jesus mean when he said that he came to give you life, but not just to give you life, but to have it abundantly. What is the abundant life? If I was to poll every single one of you about what the abundant life is, in your unique circumstances, you'd probably have a different answer. Some of you would be super spiritual and you'd have a real good Jesus answer for me and you'd probably be right. But for those of us like myself, we would think immediately about all the things we want or all the things we would like to have, or who we would like to have back. And most of the time it would be selfish, and a lot of times for good reason. But what was Jesus talking about? What was Jesus talking about when he said, I've come to give you life, and life abundantly? Before we get there, though, I want you to think about a couple things in this passage that, that are really important to the thread of what Jesus is trying to say. The first thing is Jesus calls himself the door, right? What do doors do? Class participation. You're back in Sunday school for a little bit. What do doors do? Doors keep people out and they let people... A lot of times in church, we focus on open that door and God lets everybody in. But doors do do that. We open the door 
and let people in. Right? There's that old thing I can't do it with my fingers, but you say, you know, that you used to do in Sunday school when you were a little kid. We were like, you know, open the doors, see all the people, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't know. I can't do it. But uh, it was pretty awesome. I should have worked on that before I got here. But uh, in this moment, I don't know how to do it. But uh, we, we talk about that in church. And that's so important that God came to earth to open a door for you to be made right with God. An amazing truth that Jesus Christ came as a baby, lived somewhere around 33 years of sinless life because you couldn't, died on the cross and paid the penalty of God's wrath that ought to have fallen to you. And instead it fell on Jesus. And you can be made right with God. You can spend eternity in heaven free. The door was open to you. Wide open. It's open to you today if you would walk through it. But doors do more than just open and let people in. Doors close and keep people out. You see, because Jesus talked about these thieves and robbers. And in our culture, we have thieves and robbers. What's really fascinating in this passage is if you were if we had time to go back through the context, uh, there was a lot of religious leaders standing there in this moment. And uh, the Bible calls them Pharisees. And all these Pharisees are standing there. And most of the time they're trying to trap Jesus and catch him in a lie or trap him in some sort of a false teaching because then they could just get rid of him. They could discredit him and uh, all this crazy stuff he was doing. Uh, they could just move him off the side and restore order and keep their power and, and all would be well. But Jesus here, specifically with these guys standing in front of him, refers to them as thieves and robbers. And, and I want you to know, if you're in this room today, that there are a lot of churches and a lot of religions and a lot of things in this world that Jesus would look at them and say, you are a thief and a robber. Most religion is calling you to do what God never called you to do. On the flip side of that, our culture is calling you to do what it can't deliver on. You see, in, in, in our culture, we're told that we can define meaning for ourselves, that we can, that we can uh, live the American dream and we can deliver unto ourselves happiness. But what, what, what's the truth that by the end of it all, we all figure out that that stuff is worthless, that that stuff is worthless. Some of the most miserable people in the world are the ones with the most amount of stuff. Why is that? Why is that? Because you were created for more than that. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. See, he didn't, tell, he didn't say, I came to give you a bunch of stuff and give you a bunch of stuff abundantly. <laughs> Though most of us experience that. What he said is, I came to give you life. And so here's these Pharisees standing here and Jesus refers to himself as the door. The door. So he's letting the sheep in but he's keeping the thieves out. 
and he's keeping the wolves out. See, it goes on later and it talks about how uh, uh, the, these, these hired hands. We don't have time to go into all that, but these hired hands are there. And uh, what happens is these hired hands, these uh, religious leaders, that when the wolf comes, they run. And they, they don't protect the people. And Jesus just steps into that moment and says, when the wolf comes, I'm the door. I'm the door. And so there's great significance there. But, but as you move into verse 10, he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is offering a life that comes in abundance. But so did the Pharisees. It's an interesting a study if you have time on your own. But look at 10a. What, what is the difference between what the Pharisees were offering and what Jesus was offering? What culture is offering and what Jesus is offering? Whatever it is that your heart's desire would offer you today and what Jesus is actually offering you. If you can connect some intellectual dots with me, Jesus is comparing and contrasting what he's offering with what the rest of the world is offering. Whatever it is for you, whether it's science or religion or wherever it is that you find yourself or just pleasing yourself, Jesus is holding these two things up and saying, here's your two choices. And here's the difference. He says in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now that, that's like really intense language. And Jesus uses it on purpose. But, but here's, here's the difference. All of the things in this world that are offering you hope and life and peace and prosperity are just stealing from you. Why? Because they're always taking. They're promising life, but what they actually do is take your life. Money will steal your life. Pleasure will steal your life. Academia will steal your life. None of those things are bad, by the way, in and of themselves. But what happens when, they've, when you take a good thing and make it a God thing? It steals your life because it's not doing the purpose that it was intended to do. See, God's not against good things or against good gifts. James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. God is a good Father. He wants to give you good gifts. But maybe those gifts aren't in the form of what you think a good gift is. You see, one of the things that uh, the brevity of life, the vapor of life, the reality of that, reminds us of is what matters. That the, what, what's the old song said? That the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Right? We, we know that. And so Jesus is reminding us here that what was being offered to them in this moment in religion was actually going to steal their life and kill their life. And ultimately destroy who they were. But then Jesus offers the other side of that. He says, but I came to give you life. I came to give you life. And then look at verse 11. 
How does that happen? How do, how do we get this abundant life? Here, here's what it says. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus says elsewhere that it's those who lay down their life find it. And that those who try to find their life will lose it. What is he saying? What is he saying? What is the abundant life? That, that's what you and I have to answer this Christmas season. When you stand in your life and you just step outside of it for a second and you begin to weigh all of the things that are in front of you, what life truly is, what is life? And philosophers have been doing this for centuries. But you have to do it. You have to do it for you. You need to stand outside of time, outside of your life, and look at the things that matter. And this Christmas season, as we start it, I want to I call you into that. For you to step into that moment and ask yourself, what is life? Is life really all about amassing my money? Is life really all about amassing my fame? Is life really all about just pleasuring myself? What a horrible existence that is. There has to be more. There has to be more. And Jesus says there is. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And I laid down my life for the sheep. Why is that so important? Why is that so important? I want to give you two things out of this text that make the abundant life and how it comes through the good shepherd. The first one is this. The abundant life is first and foremost simply to know the good shepherd. That in this moment, Jesus was telling them, I am who you're seeking. I am what you're seeking. A relationship with me will fill the void that you have been searching for. And every single one of you in this room, and, and me, we all are searching for something to make us happy. For something to satisfy the demand that we find in our heart. It's something that we all share. We're all searching for something. It's why you make the decisions you make. It's why you live the way you live. Because at some level, we're all searching to fill our heart. We can't escape it. And Jesus comes here and says, I'm the good shepherd. And I've laid down my life for the sheep. Why is that so important? Because apart from him laying his life down, there's no life for you and me. Strip everything else away. If Jesus Christ never laid down his life, there was no life to be had. There was no life to be had. Because John 15, 5 tells us that apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Now, you may, you may have a good time for 60, 70, 80, 90, even 100 years. But then what? But then what? You stand before God. You stand before God. And the Bible says you'll give an account. Revelation 21. 
for either the good or the bad. See, here's the problem. We're not good. Not. Listen, I, I offend people every Easter when I tell them that they're not good. In fact, it usually makes at least one person angry. <laughs> but isn't that just proof in itself that we aren't good? I said yesterday at Memo's funeral, I, you wouldn't have to follow me around very long to figure out that I'm not as great of a guy as I appear to be up here. I know it's disappointing for you. It was for my wife 10 years ago. <laughs> she uh, had this project called Mitch Coon that she thought she could fix. And uh, all she did was get me to put a nicer shirt on. <laughs> Everything else was a bust. The rest was up to Jesus. He's still working. But listen, we just... We just don't even have to have that conversation. I know you're not great. You might have great moments. You might have good thoughts. But as a whole, we're just not good. We're selfish. We're greedy. I mean, we can't even, we can't even live out the golden rule. We can't even treat others the way we want to be treated. In just a moment, in the second part of this, we're going, to, we're going to talk about, you know, how relevant this is to you and I. Because one of our one of our big issues when I when I think about the golden rule, I think about I think about the racial divide in this country. We, we can't even treat other people the way that we want to be treated. We don't have the heart of God for all people. We want the heart of God for me. <laughs> we want the American dream for me. And Jesus comes and offers us something totally different. He refers to himself as the door and then he refers to himself as the shepherd. Why would he choose shepherd? He's choosing all these things very, very specifically. Do you know anything about shepherds? And of course you don't. We don't have shepherds. You don't have sheep. Anybody own sheep? Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, nobody owns sheep. All right. Has anybody owned a sheep in the history of their life? Anybody? Nice. Nice. I love it. I love it. Sheep are dirty. Sheep are annoying. Shepherds are not rich. Shepherds are lowly. <laughs> Let me just say it this way. If, if you want the American dream, you're not going to be a shepherd. Back in Bethlehem in that day and age, if you wanted to be famous, you, wouldn't, you weren't going to be a shepherd. In fact, I, I, this is an opinion, but I don't think anybody wanted to be a shepherd. I think you were probably born into that. And it was just what was handed to you. It was, as we say in this day and age, it was the hand they were dealt. Memo used to say, if you got a bad hand, play it. <laughs> you know, play it. I used to love that. Jesus chose to come as a shepherd, as a good shepherd. And that shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. See, one of the things that shepherds did was that they would herd their sheep all over these mountains and find grass and find water and, and do all these things for the sheep there would inevitably be uh, 
enemies that would come and that would try to kill the sheep, try to destroy the sheep. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. See, and he did that in an ultimate sense and he did that in a, in a daily sense. The Bible says that the devil is like a lion roaring about, walking about, seeking whom he can devour. Let me just ask you a real simple question today. Is the devil after you? Is the devil devouring you? Is he keeping you from the good shepherd? Here's the beauty of that, is the shepherd is also the king. And he's all-powerful. And he's good. And he laid down his life so that you could have life. One of the best parts about the Christmas story is that God didn't come as a king. He didn't come as a king. He came as a baby. (laughs) If you've ever had a baby... I mean, that's just, man, why would God come as a baby? I mean, I love the, the babies that I've had the privilege of holding and raising. But once they get out of that, you're like, whew, glad that's over. <laughs> I mean, the diapers, the, can you imagine changing God's diaper? I mean, did it smell good? I mean, I mean, he was perfect, right? Probably not. Probably still smelled. Probably still smelled. He came as a baby. Not as a king. Just wrap your head around that. If you were God, how would you come? Me and my five-year-old, we've, we've got a whole thing worked up. <laughs> we, could, we could give you a good story about how we would come. He didn't come like that. He lived a really average life. He was a carpenter. He worked for his dad. Stepdad, I know, theologically. He didn't live a royal life. That even offended the people that he eventually went to die for. You know? You you know the timeline where where he comes in the triumphal entry and they're fanning him with palm branches like royalty and they're taking their clothes off and laying him on the ground and he's riding through. They're just like ignoring the fact that he chose a donkey to ride on, you know, instead of a uh, trusty steed, you know? And... But just a couple days later, what were they chanting? Crucify him. Because he didn't meet the expectation they wanted him to meet. Can I just suggest to you that Jesus is not here today to meet your expectations? Jesus said, I'm the door. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. Make no mistake about it. All roads don't lead to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way, but all are welcome to come through that way. There's a second aspect of this abundant life that's really important. See, we spent a lot of time talking about you, but the reality is, is that most of the time Jesus talked, he wasn't talking just about you or in a singular sense. 
Most of the time, Jesus was talking about his family. Most of the time, Jesus was referring to his people. One of the beautiful things about the abundant life, and it's the second thing I want you to think about today, is that you can know the other sheep. That you can know the other sheep. You need the people that are around you right now. You need them. This, you weren't designed to live life alone. You're a sheep. If you dropped a sheep in the middle of nowhere on his own, what would happen to that sheep? You don't have to be a, you don't have to be a, a farmer or a shepherd to know what's going to happen. What's going to happen to that sheep? They're going to die, right? You will die, figuratively speaking, if you live your life alone. You will. You weren't made to live that way. You're a sheep. You're annoying. You're, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> sheep are dumb though, right? There's an amazing gospel nugget in this. And, and I think, at least in my upbringing, it's one of the things that, I, that is a nuance of the gospel that I think wasn't given enough attention. And I want you to pay attention to it today. Listen to, as Jesus goes on here, what he says about this being the good shepherd. Verse 12, he was a hired hand and not a shepherd. He does not, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. These are all the things we've been talking about so far. But listen to this next part. And I have other sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be how many flocks? One flock. And one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay my life down. That I may take it up again. And in case you were wondering if this shepherd was powerful or not. Verse 18. No one takes it from me. I have a I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. So here's this powerful shepherd. He's a shepherd and he's a good shepherd, but he's the one with the authority. But what does he choose to do with his authority? He lays his life down, A, so that you can have life, so that you can know the good shepherd. You can know the good shepherd today. But then he chooses to say this weird phrase. But I also have sheep that aren't of this flock. And I have to get them and bring them with me. What was he talking about? In that day and age and in that culture, they too had a racial, a racial problem. You see, if you were a Jew standing there, you would have been, yes, Lord, yes, yes, until he got to that part. Where he said, I have sheep that aren't of this flock. Well, wait a minute. Slow down. Back the truck up. What are you talking about? You see, one of the things that Jesus did was he came to reconcile people. Jesus was building bridges between people. One of the things that the church has the privilege of doing in this culture is to, brid, to build bridges between people. Uh, one of the guys who's helped me think through this a lot 
is a guy named Derwin Gray, and here's what he says. He says, the local church should be a mosaic that the world looks at and says, so that's what heaven looks like. You see, what Jesus was doing was bringing the sheep into one flock. One of the most amazing parts of the gospel is that by being adopted into the family of God, you're adopted into a family that doesn't just look like you. And that's an amazing thing. That people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation make up the church. And in that bringing together, that melting pot of God's creativity, we see the abundant life. That A, you can be made right with God. And that B, Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer that he would, that we would be able to be a part of bringing God's kingdom on earth just as it is in heaven. What does that look like? Machetes and spears and, you know, F, F bombers, you know, no. It doesn't look like takeover. It looks like an adopted family. The church ought to look like an adopted family. People ask us all the time, why, why did you choose to adopt? There's a lot of reasons, but that's one reason. We wanted our family to look just a little bit like heaven. And we want this church to look like heaven. Jesus thought it important enough to make that statement in that moment Seven, seven times he makes these I am statements that let us in on who he is. He said, I am the door. I let people in. And I keep people out. He said, I'm the good shepherd. And I'm bringing this flock together. This beautiful, adopted family of mine. They're messy. <laughs> Most of the time we're dumb. <laughs> Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> Three of you are willing to admit you're dumb. I'm admitting it right here up front. We need to be protected. We need water. We need food. We need that. We need all that stuff. And we we need we need each other. And we need the good shepherd. Listen, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where you fall in your thinking. But I do know a few things about life. And that is that we're all looking for something. And what I have found to be true is that the only answer that answers the void, that fills the gap, is Jesus. You need the good shepherd in your life. You need Jesus in your life. The greatest gift this Christmas would be that Jesus offers you life. And the abundant life is not found in amassing for yourself more things. But it's found in laying your life down for the good of the people in this room. That as Jesus is amassing his flock as he's bringing his flock together.
to do life together. It's in that that we find the abundant life. Why, why do we, when we have funerals and things, do we celebrate the memories? Because that's what matters. When, when you lose a loved one, we don't talk about their car. We don't talk about their house. We don't talk about their, well, sometimes we talk about their clothes. <laughs> but at the end of the day, what do we talk about? We talk about their memory. We talk about the moments we had with them. You need people in your life. You need Jesus in your life. And you won't find what you're looking for until you bow that knee. So I just want to, I want to do something a little different today and just give you the opportunity to do it. And ask the guys to come back up and play. Music's an amazing thing that helps us consider where we are. And uh, I'm just going to ask you to sit there for a minute while they play. And I'm going to pray. But here's the deal. The gospel's pretty simple. (coughs) It's that you are a sinner and you need a Savior. It's pretty simple. And if uh, you don't think you need a Savior, you're just not being honest. And I say that in the most loving way that I can. Because I love you. I would actually have to hate you to not stand up here and tell you what I've told you this morning. See, because when we look around our world... It's just really broken. It's really broken. There's only one answer to the brokenness. And so I would just ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And just talk to the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. To open your eyes to the Lord. The Bible says, God says... If you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me, but I lay it down. Lay it down willingly for you. Some 2,000 years ago, he came as a baby. so that he could live for you and then he died for you so that you could live for him I just want to encourage you to take a minute if you know him to express your gratefulness that this Christmas season that we've said it so many times and in so many ways that we would want the Christmas season to be uh, held with the right perspective but How many years do we fail miserably at that? This year can be different. You can do life with the sheep. You can lay your life down for the good of others if you know Christ. (laughs) One of the 
most amazing verses in Scripture is the one that says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. What an awesome thing. Didn't say he was happy about it. (laughs) It hurt. But there was joy there. And then if you don't know Christ today, if you don't know the Good Shepherd, I just want to encourage you to consider him. Consider Jesus. And maybe today would be the day that you would cross from death to life. It's really simple. It's as simple as confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord.